Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. morning on this Friday, the 13th, 2022. Uh, I'm Carmen LaBerge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. This is the Faith Radio Network. Um, Good morning to all of you. Prayers being extended as uh, first light reveals damage across the upper Midwest um, from straight line winds and tornadoes. So let's be uh, helping our neighbors today. Let's be, uh, you know, absolutely on the front line of, of offering um, support and supplies and resources, and just know that um, we see you out there. We'd we'd love to hear from you. Um, you can always text me at eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. Just love to know where you are this morning. Just check in with us. Appreciate that. I'm going to take a quick uh, look around the world uh, before we have our conversation with Steve West and get our liberties update here. Uh, things happening in the United States, but. Quickly around the world, we've talked uh, frequently about the deterioration of the situation in Lebanon. They are going to have uh, an election today. Uh, It's the first time they've had national elections since the explosion. I'm still unexplained explosion um, in the port in the city of Beirut two years ago now. And, um, you know, things are really, really bad. Um, It's uh, it's a. It's a really awful situation. The AP is covering it this way. In households across Lebanon, it's likely that one or more family members are planning to emigrate if they can get a passport. Demand is high, but the bankrupt government has not paid the company that's contracted to issue um, renewals of documents. Um, The Lebanese spend their days waiting in lines at banks to um, see a manager to try to make withdrawals. Um, They install batteries and solar panels um, so that their families can survive in the humid summer months without electricity from the grid. They hunt for medicine and fuel. They worry about securing the next meal for their kids. They are in a full economic meltdown. Here's one example of of a teacher um, feeling like the going to the polls is completely futile. Uh, Who should I vote for? Those who stole my money and plundered the country and exploded Beirut or those nobodies who cannot agree on anything? Samir Fahad is a school teacher who had a once comfortable income of about $3,400 a month, $3,400 a month, now worth the equivalent of $200 doing the same doing the same work. So be praying for the people of Lebanon Uh, situation, you know, in terms of Russia and Ukraine continues. Um. And Russia is now threatening to retaliate as Finland and Sweden both move to join NATO. You're going to hear a lot about that. You're also going to hear um, that the head of the United Nations World Food Program is estimating that, quote, millions of people around the world, millions of people around the world will die if Ukraine's black seaports are not reopened. Um, And so we are headed into a world food crisis 
likely to be triggered by Russia's protracted war in Ukraine if something's not done. Now, back here at home, parents are looking uh, for answers and alternatives as baby formula shortages continue across the United States. Um, I'm sure that there will be conversations about that over the weekend and protests continue outside of the homes of Supreme Court justices. I'm going to ask Steve West. I mean, is that like a new normal protesting outside of the homes of judges? Like, this doesn't seem like a legitimate expression of political speech in terms of um, trying to convince judges to do something that aligns with our preferred outcome in a case. We're going to talk with Steve West next. He's the editor of the Liberties Roundup for World Magazine. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Joining us now, Steve West. He is an attorney in North Carolina. He also um, provides for us the Liberties Roundup at World News Group. You can find it at WNG.org. Steve, welcome back. Hey, good morning, Carmen. So I know it's not um, on our official list, but I feel confident you're prepared to just at least give a personal reflection. Does it does it seem legit for people to be protesting outside the homes of um, judges or justices in order to get them to do something that aligns with my preferred opinion in something? Oh, no, it does not seem legit. And it's not something that we've seen, you know, commonly happen. And I remember an incident in the near past where Justice Kavanaugh's home uh, was picketed in the same way. But this is not something that normally goes on. You know, protest is protected by the First Amendment, of course, but they can also, the government can also have you know, appropriate time, place, and manner restrictions. And the place of a, of a Supreme Court justice's home or, or any other politician's home, for that matter, uh, doesn't seem to be an appropriate place for protest. And, you know, of course, if they turn violent in any way, they can control that. But it's just bringing that kind of pressure to bear. Uh, it just strikes me as just a, a, a breakdown of what is really appropriate under the First Amendment. Yeah. So I I think that it leads to a good, you know, internal conversation in our own families and in our own communities, you know, uh, on the entire conversation of, you know, the manner of things and manners related to things and, you know, the the legitimate way to achieve an end versus um, those those ways that lead to a a disruption or breakdown in the system itself. All right. I'd love for you to brief brief us in on what's going on in Alabama. Yeah, this uh, Alabama case that I've written about recently involves some high school players who took a stand over the Sabbath. Now, this is a case that's not about something that's a new conflict. It's just the context is a little different than we may have seen in the past. A lot of times there's requests for Sabbath accommodation or some type of religious accommodation in the workplace. And we see that commonly occur. Sometimes there's cases over that that make their way up to the, toward the Supreme Court. But in this case, there's an Alabama high school basketball team that does not play Saturday daytime games as a matter of religious conviction. They're Seventh-day Adventists. And for Seventh-day Adventists, their Sabbath is from uh, Friday at sundown to Saturday at sundown. And so they don't, you know, it's the Sabbath. They don't play games. They don't don't work uh, on the Sabbath, and they worship on that day. So here the... uh, the uh, they had to bring a lawsuit against the Alabama High School Athletic Association, which is a private organization, but it's basically state, state 
state sanctioned. If you're a public school in Alabama and you want to play athletic sports, you have to belong to this association. If you're a private school and you want to get involved in sports, you don't have to belong. But if you don't belong, you won't be able to play in the tournaments. And so here, this team uh, from Oakwood uh, Academy, Oak, Oakwood Adventist Academy in Huntsville, Alabama, was having a great season. And they had made it to the semifinals. There was a game scheduled. Uh, the semifinal game was scheduled on Saturday at 4.30 before sundown. And then the final game was going to be, uh, I think, or another semifinal was that night at 7.30. And so they worked it out with the other teams that they could swap times so they could you know, not have to uh, violate the Sabbath. And uh, they asked the association to grant them that a religious accommodation. The association said no, and they dug in and continued to say no, even though this, even the governor got involved in the case. So they filed a lawsuit and asked that uh, religious accommodation be allowed to Seventh-day Adventists. It's a little bit late for this team because the, the tournament passed. They had to forfeit the game, and so they weren't able to make it any further in the, in the championship. Uh, but they're hoping that you know a court order will uh, solve it for uh, Seventh Day Adventists in the future. Yeah, you know, I might note that in, in in Alabama, as a matter of religious accommodation in general, they don't play games on Sunday, which is a Sabbath for a lot of Christians. But that you know, for Jewish believers, some Jewish believers, and for uh, for Seventh Day Adventists, that doesn't really help them. They need an accommodation. So that's what's going on in Alabama. Um, I mean, you know, I think that's a, a very interesting, Steve. We don't often think about um, the rhythms and patterns of religious minorities, even here in the United States. And so I think anytime we can highlight that, it reminds all of us that religious liberty for, you know, for me and mine and my variety of uh, faith expression is only as protected as the varieties of faith expressions that, you know, are related to a smaller or minority group of people. And so... Um, Thank you for bringing us that story. Let's take a very brief break. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Steve West. He's the editor of the Liberties Roundup at World Magazine. You can find what we're talking about today at WNG.org. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. All right, we're continuing our conversation with Steve West from World News Group's Liberties Roundup. You can find the Roundup and lots of other resources at WNG.org. All right, we got uh, news out of a Idaho Idaho law school. What's going on there? Yeah, you know, I went to law school a few decades ago, and what happened in Idaho is something that I would never have seen in law school back in the 1980s. Uh, This school issued a no-contact order to basically suppress disfavored speech. There were three Christian law students there who had some contact with another law student who disagreed with their biblical view on marriage and sexuality. Uh, This law student approached them and actually brought up the fact that they don't allow folks who uh, are not Christians and who don't have the same views on Uh, biblical views on marriage and sexuality to be leaders in the chapter. You can certainly be uh, come to the chapter meetings, but you can't be leaders. So the leaders have to subscribe to the statement of faith. And so she approached them, asked them about that. They had a discussion. And then she went before a uh, meeting of the uh, American Bar Association that was happened, happened to be occurring at the school and basically denounced 
the students uh, there at that event at which they were present as well. And then uh, without any kind of notice, without any kind of hearing, the administration there at the law school issued a no contact order against these three students, which meant they were not to have any contact with the student who brought the complaint. They were not to sit near her in class, but sit on the other side of the classroom. Uh, and so, you know, that might put themselves in some awkward positions if they're walking down the hall and here she comes down the hall, they would have to go somewhere else. That's all that occurred. They had a disagreement over and not even a, an uncivil agreement over uh, over marriage and sexuality. And this is what happened. So, you know, this kind of a no contact order sounds like um, a, like a restraining order that you might have in a situation of domestic violence. It's a pretty, pretty severe kind of thing. And, and these students are, were concerned legitimately that they might find themselves in a situation where she alleges that they had contact with her. They get disciplined for that. That is reported to the bar, and they have difficulty passing the bar and thus practicing law when they get out of school. So this lawsuit was brought just to um, see if the it basically is a free speech lawsuit to say you're inhibiting our free speech, you know, without any kind of notice, without any kind of opportunity to be heard. Uh, we can't talk about this subject because it doesn't line up with what this person believes. So, I'm, you know, I've never seen anything like that. You know, when I was coming through school that we, if you had a disagreement about something, fine. You had a disagreement. You can talk about it, uh, argue about it even. Uh, particularly in law school, that's where you're supposed to argue about stuff, right? But, you know, not here. Uh, they, okay, so they, they that's yeah. So that's what you really got me thinking about here. Like, so this person, I mean, ostensibly is training to be an attorney, but um, you know, not only is she taking uh, a conversation that would best be worked out, um, you know, maybe in quote unquote chambers, right? Conversations with other people who are going to be attorneys um, as well. Uh, you know, like go one on one and have the conversation. That's not just the biblical model. That's just the best model. Like go and work it out. Um, instead, publicly uh, taking it up in front of an entire group of people, and then when um, you know when there's an offer made for you know let's get together one on one and talk about this. Instead, she asks for this no contact order to be issued by the university. Um, the Christian Legal Society uh, is is the chapter um, at issue here. And if you're listening right now and you're not familiar with CLS, let me encourage you to check it out, christianlegalsociety.org. If you are an attorney, if you are interested in being an attorney, this is a great resource for Christians, um, christianlegalsociety.org. Um, Steve, how, you know, how well is this person going to do um, as an attorney down the road if she's always asking for some um, authority to stop people from talking about things she doesn't want them talking about and to stop people from talking to her about things that are uncomfortable for her. Like, does that bode well for a person who wants to be an attorney? That that doesn't bode well for the legal profession. And I, I just don't think that that's going to get very far. But, you know, you see these situations in law schools now where uh, they invite a speaker. The speaker comes to speak about a topic that's controversial, and they basically, uh, you know, want to shut down the speech of that person. It's like they can't tolerate an opinion that's different than theirs. That's, that doesn't bode well for the legal profession. That we can't have uh, structured sort of disagreements that we litigate in court 
uh, without this sort of uh, this sort of rancor, I guess, and without this sort of um, effort to shut down uh, speech, um, the, you know, the answer to speech you don't like is more speech, not shutting down speech. So this is not what this is not what we should see from the legal profession. Yeah, we want more conversation, not less. All right, tell us about right. this uh, Catholic school that's appealing a ruling um, over the firing of a teacher. Yes, this is a school in Charlotte, North Carolina, Catholic high school, where a teacher's contract was not renewed. He'd been with the school for a number of years. His name is Lonnie Billard, been with the school for a number of years. And in, 19, in 2014, so this goes back a ways, uh, he announced his engagement to another man. Um uh, and so after that point, the school said it couldn't renew his contract because basically their, their standard of conduct uh, didn't permit that. Uh, so he brought the lawsuit against the school, and, and initially the, uh, the district court judge in the case, the federal judge, uh, disagreed with the school's defense, which was basically you know, uh, pleading the doctrine of church autonomy, which is derived from the First Amendment. It basically says there's this area of decisions that churches and religious organizations make that is protected from protected from uh, encroachment by, by the government. And here they say that school would have said this person is basically a minister. And we know from case law that minister doesn't necessarily mean an ordained minister. It could be a teacher in a school. Uh, but here, the, the court said, this is a teacher of secular subjects. Uh, the teachers don't have to be Catholics or Christians to teach in this Catholic school. And therefore, this person is not a minister. Even though they're supposed to uphold Catholic teaching, they're supposed to uphold Catholic uh, stand, standards of conduct for the school uh, in the case. So this case, what has happened recently is it, it has been appealed uh, to the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeal. And, you know, kind of boils down to the question is, you know, can Catholic, the Catholic Church ask teachers at Catholic schools to support Catholic teaching? Uh, that makes a lot of sense uh, that it would be able to do so. And unless they prevail in this appeal, the answer, at least uh, for this North Carolina school, would be no, they cannot. Uh, so it's an interesting case. It follows a case from 2020 called Our Lady of Guadalupe School versus Morrissey Beru, which was a Supreme Court case where there were a couple of Catholic elementary schools in California where two teachers were fired from those schools uh, or contracts not renewed, and they filed employment discrimination claims. And the court said that even though they weren't ordained ministers, that they performed vital religious duties in their teaching, and so they fell under this church autonomy doctrine, so the schools won in that case. Uh, here the question is, th does this person— um, this person that was fired, does he serve some sort of vital religious duty? And the school's arguing that, yes, of course, every teacher in our school performs some type of vital religious duty. So it's kind of a kind of a uh, um, an add on to this, this case that came from a couple of years ago. So I know, Steve, you and I are not um, arguing this case, but <clears throat> if we were, you know, I, I'd be um, I would want to make the argument that teachers are the curriculum. I mean, I th this gets into the conversation about like CRT, just because, you know, there's not something on a syllabus somewhere that says we're teaching this content. If a person is teaching out of a worldview, they are teaching the content. And so, I, you know, I think that when we talk about teachers and educators and when we talk about coaches and when we talk about 
people that our kids are spending time with in all kinds of environments, the person is the curriculum, the pattern of their life. I mean, it's it's discipleship. It's the time they're spending learning life from that other person, regardless of what's actually on the syllabus. It truly is. I think you're right about that. And, you know, um, that argument was made in a case in, uh, involving Gordon College, which is a Christian college up in Massachusetts. And there they had a professor who was advocating you know, pro-LGBT views. And the school uh, didn't promote her for that. It didn't fire her, but didn't promote her. In that case, actually, they lost the case. The, the school did. And they went up to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court declined to take the case. But it said in an appropriate future case, we might have to be to resolve this question of religious liberty. I mention it because they made the argument in that case that, you know, the Christian, the worldview, the, the, the teacher, basically the teacher is the curriculum, like you say, that that basically the teacher's worldview impacts the students, and we have a Christian worldview at this school. And so no matter what you're teaching, you're teaching from a Christian worldview, and therefore the teacher is, quote, a minister. And uh, the Massachusetts Supreme Court didn't buy that. So I think this is a, an issue that will recur, continue to recur, and we'll certainly see that, how this appeal goes. Yeah, good to revisit our theology of the priesthood of all believers. Good to revisit, um, you know, just internally conversations about um, being ministers of reconciliation, each, each and all of us uh, as saints of the gospel. Steve, as always, thank you so much. Uh, you, can, you can find Steve West and the Liberties Roundup at World Magazine wng.org. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. I mean, do you need a good laugh? Do you just need, I mean, a good laugh? I do. We're going to have a conversation with Tommy Woodard and Eddie James. They are the skit guys, and their new movie, Family Camp, uh, debuts tonight, comes out tonight. My ticket, my family, are, we already have our tickets. We already have our seat assignments and everything. We can hardly wait. Family Camp. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's not just worth seeing. I mean, like, get ready to get your chuckle on. The skit guy is up next with Family Camp. Have we got a treat today. Tommy Woodard and Eddie James are with us. You know them as the Skit Guys. They come to us today with a brand new movie out tonight, Family Camp. Tommy and Eddie, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. All right, this is so much fun. I will tell you that when I watched the trailer, I thought to myself, um, Tommy, the character who plays your wife, Grace, I thought to myself, um, Leon Baker is my sister. Like that, she's living my sister's life. Her husband has showed up late to church in inappropriate clothes and said, what, I can, what can I do? And they have been to family camp. And so I just thought to myself, this is reality now happening on the big screen with Skit Guys. Oh, I, listen, I am so glad that you even noticed that because that was one of our, our greatest desires was to make this funny faith-based family movie that people can relate to. You know, that, that man, the Christians are way far from perfect. And the non-Christians are not evil. Like, it's like, oh, this is what real world is like. Oh, it's it's already hilarious. I was already laughing at the trailer. We've got our tickets to go see it tonight. 
We're talking about the Family Camp movie. You can find it at familycampmovie.com, familycampmovie.com. Um, Eddie, I want to uh, I want to talk with you about um, your your character, your role. Describe for us, um, you know, kind of the give us the overall gist of the movie and introduce us to your character. Yeah, we are uh, two families that with a lot of other families that have gone to family camp, but we end up in a yurt together, which is basically a glorified cabin. Um, and we have to, you know, hilarity and hijinks and Sue, we have to basically share it. And we are two totally different families. Um, you know, the Ackermans, uh, they, they may be like the Christmas and Easter only type family. At you least, know? Yeah, at least Tommy is. At least yeah. Tommy Ackerman is. And, and the, my family, the Sanders family, we go all the time. The doors are open. They probably go when the doors aren't open. Yeah, that we're, we're knocking on the door. Yeah. And they're also, they're also the family. They would be like, hey, what's the gang doing for lunch? And they, they have no gang um, because everyone's like, oops, let, let's, let's go this way. Yeah. Um, they are a little awkward, uh, very overly religious. Um, I think my character uh, is more concerned on image and the way things look spiritually then he really is caring uh, for the nurturing of his family's hearts, souls, and minds uh, and pointing him to Jesus that way. So, so you got these two opposite families and they basically collide in the shirt and have to live things out. And, you know, families, families can be messy, but we are God's masterpiece. And we, and we see that throughout the film as they learn things and uh, grow uh, throughout this process. Yeah, I can just hardly wait um, to see the whole thing, even just based on watching the trailer. Um, the, I mean, even just the marshmallows. I mean, I'll just leave it there. But even just <laughs> the marshmallows. So, um, so Tommy, when you when you think about this film and you think about uh, maybe your expectations of it being not just fun, which it's clearly going to be, um, but maybe a conversation starter, maybe an opportunity for families to reflect, maybe an invitation. Um, you know, to some families, to to certain things. I mean, what what are your hopes? Oh my goodness! Uh, uh, listen, that's a great question. Um, one of the things uh, that that we have, you know, we've been making short films for churches for twenty plus years, and we always include in every one of our short films heart, humor, and him, and the him being God. And uh, this movie is no different. It, it has all three of those things. This time, we've added in hope. Uh, we feel like the past two years that our families have gone through have been so trying, so challenging. And so what we've tried to create is something that a family can go to and just there's something for everybody to laugh at. But there's also going to be a storyline for everybody that they can relate to. And so I, I hope that when people leave the, the theater that they're laughing about, oh, that line was funny. But in that car ride home, that there can be some of those conversations that just organically come up. And that God will use this movie to bring healing to families. Okay, what are the four H's again? Uh, I hope I can remember. Uh, heart, humor, him, and hope. Uh, okay. and, yeah, yeah. So after, so after family camp, there could be like the version where you where you come to um, the farm where I live, and you like do four H. I'm just saying. <laughs> ah, there you go. All right. There you go. Right, we are, Great. We're talking with <laughs> the skit guys, Tommy Woodard and Eddie James. We're talking about their brand new movie. So you know the skit guys from short films. Um, this is actually, you know, like a film you're going to go see in the theater, and you can go see it tonight, familycampmovie.com. I got my tickets at Fandango, but you could get them at familycampmovie.com as well. Tommy, when you think about your character 
He's a busy guy. He's got a lot going on. When you think about dads out there, um, this is this is a real person that you play. Tommy Ackerman is like a real. He's a real guy. He's a real dad. Yeah, yeah. I, listen, uh, we like to say that we're pastors more than pranksters. Um, I surrendered to ministry in 1987. So I, I don't really get the corporate world or business or climbing the ladder, but I do get busy. I, I, I think that pastors can be as guilty as anyone for being busier than God intended them to be. And that's the situation with Tommy Ackerman. He, he loves his family. He wants to be a good dad. He wants to be a good husband. Um, he's just really busy. And, you know, God takes this time o- away while they're at camp to help him see what really matters. And, and, and I love that about it. We we actually had a premiere of the movie, and somebody was that was there came up to our director just out of the blue and said, hey, that, that Tommy Ackerman character, that's me. And, and I, I, I've realized, you know what, my, my family's not getting the best of me, and i got to figure that out, you know. Mm. Eddie, when you think about the character that you play, and it's not lost on me, Tommy and Eddie, that you guys preserved your own names, but you made the actresses take on other names. So they're technically <laughs> right. We're not doing that much good. harder work than you are. Um, Eddie, when you awesome. think about when you think about the character that you play um, in this film, uh, at one point he says, God doesn't make junk, including me. Tell, tell us yeah. about that. Uh, I think, um, you know, depend on where you've uh what kind of home life you grew up in. Um, I know a lot of us, and I, you know, we're former youth pastors too um, back in the day. And I think a, a revolving storyline that we saw over and over and over, and, and even as pastors, you know, just talking with adults, it, it seems like there's just this overwhelming sense that we're never good enough, that no matter how hard we try to do the dance to get the hugs from people, um, even with God, we, we can work so hard to go, God, am I enough? You know, and and God isn't asking that from us, but we'll do that. We'll get in the hamster wheel of life ourselves. And we look in the mirror and we just feel like we're not enough. And so I think it's a beautiful thing when we come to the conclusion, uh, Ephesians 2.10 says, we are God's workmanship. We are his, you know, in Greek, that, that word workmanship is poem. We are God's poem. So in the movie and including in my own world to say, God doesn't make junk. That's a, that's a declarative statement, um, and uh, I know I've I've experienced and still experienced in my own life, and and I, and we hope other people will too, because people beat themselves up a lot. We're our worst critics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so good. Um, all right, Tommy Woodard and Eddie James have been best friends since high school. We're talking about their new movie, Family Camp. You can also find them and tons of resources at their website, Skit Guys. Dot com. They've actually written a book on friendship, uh, the Skit Guy's Guide to Lifelong Friendships, and um, it's entitled Smells Like Bacon. And, you know, because we <laughs> like bacon, we're giving away copies today. So you can text the word what? book to 877. <laughs> you can text the word book to 877-933-2484. More with Tommy and Eddie in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Continuing our conversation now with the skit guys, Tommy Woodard and Eddie James. They also star in a brand new film, Family Camp. Uh, we've we've talked about Family Camp a little bit. I want to encourage you to check it out. But right now I want to talk a little bit of, about Smells Like Bacon. It is Eddie and Tommy's book, Skit Guy's Guide to Lifelong Friendships. We're giving away copies today. 
You can text the word book to 877-933-2484 to enter that drawing. Um, Tommy and Eddie, talk with us about um, your lifelong friendship because it's a book about the power of friendship, but it's also a guide to like how to build that. Yes, we we know it may be a little of an anomaly uh, to have a friendship like what we had yeah. since, since high school. We 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 totally get that. Um, throughout this process, though, even though it's a funny book, it, it's not a scratch and sniff. It does not smell like the book actually does not smell like bacon. No, that's a misnomer. That's a misnomer. Um, onus on us on that. But we, it's a funny book, but with a lot of with a lot of what we'll call bacon bits of of friendship, things that we've lived out of our lives and not those fake imitation bacon bits that you'd put on a salad. But like when you go to like a really gourmet, great restaurant and like that is real bacon, they just put on there. Yeah. Um, The ones that raise your cholesterol. Yes. That we throughout it, every, every chapter is a basically a value that we have lived out in our friendship. And it's not, you know, it is a guide to friendships, Yeah, but it's also a guide like, a small group could read this book. Uh, a marriage, marriages could read oh, this book. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know? your, your marriage should be your greatest friendship. And this book in itself is a great marriage relationship book, too. Yeah. Hmm. That's so good. Yeah, when I think about who we're called to be neighbor and when I think about my husband and when I think about, you know, like your first responsibility in terms of your closest neighbor you'll ever have, it's the one, you know, not living next door to you, but living indoors with mm-hmm. you. Um, Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. so, you know, when I think about friendship and I think about um, companionship and and certainly loving neighbor as I love self, yeah, no greater calling than inside my own household. So that's so wonderful and helpful. All right. Smells like bacon is the, let me, let me tee up the drawing one more time. Is that okay? Oh gosh. Yeah. Sorry. All right. So Smells Like Bacon is the book we're giving away today. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484. All right. Speak. (laughs) Yeah. When you were talking about, you know, living together, the title of the book is it's called Smells Like Bacon uh, because there was a time when my buddy Eddie moved in to a parsonage that I was living in with my wife at the time. And he was on the Adkins diet. Yep. And man, this cat ate meat at every meal. I mean, he would have meat salads, which would lead to the <laughs> meat sweats. But most of the time he would eat bacon because it was easy to fry up and cook. And one day my wife walks into the house and she goes, Tommy, why does the house smell like bacon? And I was like, well, that's, that's friendship, babe. That's <laughs> <laughs> That is friendship. That is so good. Um, You guys, your ministry has been um, enduring. Uh, It's been enduring over time. I really, I appreciate that. I appreciate that you have fresh ways of bringing the gospel forward to new generations. I appreciate that you're helping to equip parents in the area of children's ministry. I appreciate that you're helping to equip youth pastors and, um, and others in the area of reaching you know, teenagers. Uh, I appreciate now that you're reaching families through this movie. Um, how could we pray for you as you engage in just the wide variety of ministries that you do um, as skit guys? You know, um, first off, thank you so much. We really, really do try to help the local church. That's what we've always been about. We've always, every time we let, we do a video, we make a video We're we're we truly are trying to think of the people sitting in the congregation that the pastor, uh, music minister, creative arts director, all of those youth pastor, all of those folks that children's pastors, all of those folks that have to uh, basically week in, week out minister to uh, 
congregations and folks. So thank you for that compliment. I think a huge prayer right now would, would just be family camp. Um, we are we are opening tonight, Friday the 13th. Isn't that an oxymoron? Friday the 13th. Um, the, the, the night Hollywood put out a horror movie. Um, and our movie is about, you know, hope, humor, and him. So um, I would just, I would really encourage folks to be praying for this movie. Um, we want it to reach a lot of people, but we also know that um, buying a ticket and going out to your theaters and, you know, grabbing a group is, is huge for, for Hollywood and for the folks to go, okay, okay, we want more movies like this. We are the first faith-based family-friendly comedy. The first. Even if you take off the word faith-based family-friendly comedies, there aren't any. There's cartoons and there's superhero movies. And sometimes we see families just go, oh, wait, oh, wait, this was a bait and switch in itself. So we, we've created a comedy and we've got to sit in some theaters now with, with all ages, two to 200, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, we've, got, we've, got, we've got to listen to people laugh. I mean, really heartily laugh. And uh, I, I would just ask, pray for this movie, Family Camp, and, and go out and see it. All right, we're going to do that right now. Father, we thank you for Tommy and Eddie. And we thank you for the friendship you have given them. We thank you for the way you've knit their lives and hearts together for the advance of your gospel. We thank you for laying claim to them. We thank you that they are so uniquely and wonderfully made. We thank you for the gift of humor that they share and that they share with us in the world. We thank you for all of the people who've been touched through their ministry over the years. And Father, we ask that you would be glorified and magnified through this movie, Family Camp. We ask that you would use it to draw people unto yourself, draw families closer to one another. Get yourself into hearts and homes through this movie, Family Camp. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Okay. So um, just I just need confirmation that no beavers were injured um, or harmed in the making of this film. <laughs> well, I don't you know. You didn't that we run can over that. that. You did not know. run over that beaver, right? <laughs> no, we didn't. We didn't. We stopped just in the nick of time, I promise. Kids are All loving. Right. Yeah. It's so cute. Listen to kids laugh at that uh, at that animal. So cute. So cute. Oh, we can. I just can hardly wait. I just can hardly wait. So um, I'm just letting you know in advance, I already love it. Um, these two Thank seemingly you. polar opposite families assigned to the same cabin for an eventful week at church camp. The movie is Family Camp. It features the skit guys, Tommy Woodard and Eddie James, our guests today. We are also giving away copies of their book, Smells Like Bacon. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484 to enter that drawing. Guys, thank you so much. Oh, thank, thank you for you. having us. It's so thank fun. You. This has been great. Really fun. Really fun. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. All right. Well, the corn is not yet popping up in rows, but the garden has been tilled and the soil enriched. This is the Friday Farm Report. I know. I know. Some of you, uh, you just really want a window into the shenanigans of my life. And so here we go. Um, There have been this week sticky notes that say mice crisis. Yeah. Uh, There is currently a mice crisis sticky note. Uh, on Jim's, Jim is my husband, on his um, home office door because, <laughs> because, okay, so I mean, I get up super early, right? And 
um, I am very aware that there are at least two mice and they've become kind of brave and they seem to like they seem to like the closet where the dog food is located. So there you go. Uh, A bit of a mice crisis right now, at least two mice. And uh, hopefully by next week's Friday Farm Report, the eradication of the mice will be uh, in the report. We're also it's just like the mosquitoes this year and the ticks, mosquitoes and ticks. Crazy, crazy. We've never had anything like this in my memory. Um, And so the ticks uh, lead to a, you know, a conversation about, you know, being very careful as people wearing hats and, you know, on and on and on. But uh, also a vigilance related to our pets. And so Millie, who is our nearly one-year-old rescue dog, um, she is a tick magnet. I mean, she's been treated. She's been bathed. She's been, I mean, you know, everything that you can do, but she is just a tick magnet. I don't know how else to describe it. And so we have been fighting that for the last couple of months, um, very vigilantly. And, and yet, I don't know, it, maybe three or four days ago now, I, I noticed that she was limping, which, you know, is odd, but also, you know, she's a young dog and she runs around a lot. So who knows? I checked her out. She didn't have any visible signs of injury. It didn't appear as if, I mean, certainly nothing's broken, on and on and on. So, but then two days ago, she basically stopped eating and drinking. And and then by yesterday, she's like not moving around at all. So off to the vet we went. And they did a blood test and she has some, you know, dastardly infection that she got from a tick bite. It's not Lyme disease. Thank, thank goodness. Um, but it is some, you know, nasty thing. So now she's on a 28-day round of antibiotics. So there you go. That's part of the farm report today as well. I am nursing a sick puppy back to health. And the big news on the farm is that our baby chicks, um, which there were 11 of them, and now there are nine, which is not not unusual attrition when they're little, um, the, they have now been moved from... Their container, they're like giant uh, feed trough, like it's a cow feed trough, but it, you know, we drag it into the garage when we're raising little baby chicks. Um, they have now graduated from that situation to the small coop. So they move, they made that move yesterday. That is a big deal. That is a big deal um, when the baby chicks get to move to the small coop. So that's exciting news. And it's also um, today is Special Olympics here in our community. And so Matthew's participating in that today. So yeah, a lot going on, a lot going on. We got uh, tomatoes going in the ground today as well. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I am Carmen LaBerge. We're going to take one more very brief pause and then we'll be right back. Oh, we're not? No? Well, Just no, talking? we have no, we already did the pause. <laughs> oh, hi everybody. Well, Paul, <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, let me scroll down. I always have leftovers at the end of my sheet. Like, well, so, while you're doing that, uh, again, yeah. you, you brought this up at the top of the hour, and our, uh, a lot of our listeners in the Sioux Falls area last night, some heavy storms there, and I, I would ask prayer for the family of one of our guests, who, one who's been with us many times, uh, Colin Hansen, because he grew up in the Sioux Falls area, listener to uh, to uh, our, our uh, stations out there uh, when he was growing up, and they got hit hard. Uh, one of their mm. silos even collapsed. So mm. let's let's be praying for folks. Let's let's yeah. do that right now, Paul. Thank yeah. you for that reminder. Father, we come before you on behalf of our neighbors, friends, colleagues, um, brothers and sisters in Christ, 
fellow Americans who are you know suffering greatly right now after the devastating storms that rolled through um well, the upper Midwest, um, particularly we have in view South Dakota right now. And Father, we um, we ask your grace and your mercy. We ask for restoration and resources. We ask for energy. Father, we ask for um, mercy. So many things will be needed, but what will be needed most, Father, is a confidence that you are good, that you're gracious, that you will provide, um, that your hand is uh, not... Uh, your arm is not too short, um, and your grace is certainly not insufficient. So help us uh, today, Lord God, rely on you. Help us reach out to others who are in particular need. Help us to put together resources for um, folks who need them most. And Father, um, let everyone acknowledge you as the God of um, the still small voice you know, and the God of the wind. And let us uh, demonstrate to others the goodness of your grace and mercy, even in the midst, even in the midst of the aftermath of terrible storms. We do lift up the Hansen family and others like them who have lost um, farm equipment and property overnight and ask God, um, ask God for your goodness and your grace as the sun rises on this new day. Amen. Hey, don't um, don't ever fail to stop and pray when somebody asks. And if you need some help just on like how to practically pray, we actually have a video posted on Faith Radio's uh, Facebook page, YouTube channel. Um, it's just on practical prayer. In answer to your question that you've asked of me, how do we practically pray? I made a little video for you so you can check that out. We got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.